we're talking about the essence or the values or the mindset of what it is to be rural and the way of rural. And it is, there's a certain connection to the land, to the animals, but to the seasons. And you can't deny it because you're living right in it. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. I'm Jan. And I'm Erin. We're best friends, mother and daughter, rural entrepreneurs, and business partners of over two decades. Over 23 years ago, we jumped into the world of entrepreneurship in search of our big purpose. Three years ago, our hard work paid off when we launched an international print magazine, Trailblazer, and business membership. Through these, we have one mission, to empower rural women by helping them build successful businesses, all while cultivating the rural lifestyles they love. So through guest interviews and shows with just the two of us, we'll be chatting about topics like growth mindset, intuition, entrepreneurship, grit, resilience, and so much more. We're going to equip you with the know-how to navigate the sometimes murky waters of entrepreneurship. So whether you're rural, rural-hearted, or intrigued by the rural way of life, get ready to challenge yourself while learning from our experiences and other rural entrepreneurs as we explore the endless opportunities that lie ahead. Together, we can create something extraordinary. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. So on today's episode, we're going to take an inside look at the makings of a family lifestyle, a modern homestead, and a savvy business that serves a growing need for those wanting to learn how to live a homemade life. So we're talking today with Kate Shat of Venison for Dinner. And I got to tell you, her story is not only inspirational, but you're going to find layers of gold within each of the stages of how she grew this dream to launch her business and her membership and how it's completely transformed her family life, as well as her team work with her husband, Marius, as well as her business. So this is a prime example of leveraging, monetizing, and seeing opportunity where your unique skill set can thrive. And Kate is also, I think, a prime example of there is no overnight success. She worked so hard at what she was doing for years before externally it looked like it was an overnight success. So here's a little bit more about Kate. So Kate lives with her family in northern BC, Canada. She has five kids and a husband, and they do life on their homestead, homeschooling, hunting and fishing wherever possible. They grow their own meat, vegetables, and I guess the icing on the cake, all their own dairy products. So you can find recipes for wild game, sourdough, homemade dairy, and more on her site, with all with a focus on unprocessed real food. And she's also got a thriving membership. And that's what we're primarily talking about, how she grew it, why she launched it and how it's going. So enjoy. Kate, welcome to the Trailblazer podcast. We're so excited to chat with you today and dive deeper into the happenings and the how-tos really as a follow-up from your feature article in our fall 2023 issue. So welcome to the Trailblazer podcast. Thanks for having me. So before we dive in and have you tell us a little bit more about yourself, I wanted to read the opening paragraph of your article because I think it really speaks to the entrepreneurial, risk-taking, throw-all-caution-to-the-wind attitude that I really believe you and and, uh, your husband Marius have. So here it goes. What would our life look like if we only ate meat we grew or we didn't buy bread from the store? Simple questions can lead to profound outcomes, and that is what Kate Schatt discovered when she and her husband Marius 
ask themselves those questions years ago. Having rural roots throughout her childhood, Shad always had an interest in a homesteading way of life, inspired by what she witnessed with her grandparents on Salt Spring Island in British Columbia, Canada. Now through her business, Venison for Dinner, situated on 34 acres in northern BC, Shat is able to answer her original questions in a multitude of ways and with a confident no BS approach to what this lifestyle is like from living it day to day with a family of five children. So there's a lot to unpack there. My gosh, just take us back to were you dreaming of rural living before you even finished high school, before you met Marius? Like, how take, did that unfold? Yeah, for how you? did that happen? Yeah. I've always loved, so I grew up in southern BC and I now live in northern BC. I grew up on a small island. So we used to go into the interior of BC, like the Chilcote, and then we go hunting and Oh, just being out there, you know, with the leaf change in fall that we just didn't get on salt spring. Like the only deciduous trees for the most part were fruit trees, right? It's so heavy on evergreens and arbutus. So going somewhere with totally different kind of trees and the mountains and I just loved it. I always really felt so at home in that sort of space. So it was always, I've always wanted to live very rurally. Okay. So you knew at at a young age. So when we read that intro, is your life now what you imagine? Or like when you hear that and you look at this incredible business that you've built, is this what you had on your heart as a dream or has it just unfolded through like tiny steps that have led to this? It's definitely just unfolded intentional decisions, trying pathways that doors get shut and you have to retreat, gather your losses, try again. I tried lots of different things before finding what really worked for our family. And we've been doing this for over three years now as our full-time gig. And I would have never told you this is where we would have been four years ago. How did you find Marius who would have this same partnership dream with yours? Like, how did you guys meet? (laughs) We met through mutual friends. So I had met friends of his at a rodeo and I kept in touch with them. And through them, I met him. And yeah, just he grew up in a like where we live now is where he grew up. And there's lots of almost every one of his friends is like a farmer for part of, or their whole living. Okay. Or they like grew up on a farm that like, that was their living. Okay. And he's never had the desire to do that sort of thing. There was definitely like a little bit of a childhood dream. Like, oh, what about marrying a dairy farmer? I am so (laughs) glad I didn't marry a dairy farmer. Oh, good friends of ours are dairy farmers. And yeah, no, thank you. Not my cup of tea. (laughs) You are chained there. But just loving the rural lifestyle and living seasonally. He's always really enjoyed living seasonally and so have I. So I think that is a huge push behind our homesteading lifestyle is the seasonal things that we do that you get so intense into something for the season and then it's done and it's gone for another year. 
Yeah, because you're so in tune. Yeah, it's not like you can, you know, tomatoes that have now become a thing you can get year round. Are they as good year round? No. But like things like fishing on the river, that's a very short amount of time. And then we're done till next year. So this, the seasonality of it is, it leaves you wanting more. Ah, okay. Completely. I love that. And mom and I were just having this conversation at our desk before coming over here. It's just, we're talking about the essence or the values or the mindset of what it is to be rural and the way of rural. And it is, there's a certain connection to the land, to the animals, but to the seasons and you can't deny it because you're living right in it. So, um, okay. Yeah. So you guys had that in common. Do you mind sharing? What did you do before? Cause your business now venison for dinner is based on your knowledge. And that's incredible that you've built a business on your knowledge and sharing skills. What have you always been this way or what have you done before that people might be surprised to hear or or what, what did your life look like before you were living this way? So I've always loved sharing. Like down to my mom said, I got a pack of licorice for my birthday when I was four. And I make sure everybody has a piece, right? That's always been my style. I'm always excited when I've learned something new. And I want to dig in more and get nerdy about it. And I love to talk about it. Like I really love that sort of thing. I'm really a lifelong learner. And that's what drives and makes it so interesting to me. And I was a stay-at-home mom. I did childcare in our home because I did early childhood education in college, but then I didn't see myself actually putting my kids in childcare to go to work in childcare, right? That didn't (laughs) make sense to me. And I've had venison for dinner as a side gig thing that didn't really make money for a long time. So I've always had that outlet that I've naturally loved sharing. So one of my teachers in elementary school, I'd say grade three to five, somewhere in there. She told my mom, Kate needs to remember that she has good ideas, but she doesn't have the only ideas and she needs to let other people talk to. <laughs> Is that relevant? Is that play out in your life now? <laughs> There's this, I think it's like a Paul Brandt song or something. And it's like confident and cocky man, he really got me when I heard my daddy say, you gotta go to college, you gotta get some notes, right? So that like confident and cocky, that's I've my whole life, I've had to like tone that down a bit because I do have confidence that comes off as intimidating so much so that I scare away friends. Mm -hmm. Like I literally scare people in real life because they ask me a question about like, well, why do you do it sourdough? And I'm like, I just can't wait to tell them all about it and why it's so neat. And then they're like looking at me like, oh yeah, okay. So my confidence comes off cocky at times. And I I have literally had people who are friends now say, I was nervous to reach out to you because you were so confident. And I'm not really always that confident. I just like get excited about something and I want to share. Yeah. So the energy, energy levels up here, the passion, like it's the fire within. Yeah. It comes out very ag- aggressive, but it's just yeah. strong passion. But you yeah. know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing all the underpinnings of a good entrepreneur, totally. the seasonality, the liking to change, the ever, the growing, the confidence, the, the moving forward. What's the next thing? Yeah. What's the next thing? And I think you're really fortunate to have that because some, some people who are as- aspiring to do what you do, those gaps need to get filled in. 
So yeah, so that's just a really cool part of the story. And so you share recipes, you you have a blog post where you detail life on the farm, and then this membership. So I recall from our interview, and I don't know how fully it is in the article, but tell us the story of, I think you had a child in the hospital, and you were ready to launch the membership, and I think Marius was still working off the farm or the homestead, correct? Yeah, you're close. You're close. So spring 2020, I started playing with the idea of doing something like Patreon. People are like, you should do something like this, right? Like you put so much into it. You should do something like Patreon. So I look at Patreon and you have no creative freedom. Like this is what you get with Patreon. And I didn't like that. I need the creative freedom. And then you also... Patreon takes a cut and then it processes through PayPal, who also takes a cut. And I was like, surely there's a way to do this on my own domain I already have and cut out some of these cuts that are getting cut here, right? So I started looking at how to build it on my own blog. And then I had a virtual assistant, a VA who worked for me, who had set up one for another person. So she set it up for me. And I had this all poised to launch. I had like content waiting so that people would have a bunch to dig into when they first got there. And we launched it on maybe a Friday or Saturday. And within a couple days, my second son was really sick. We were out picking rocks. Maybe that was even the first day that it had launched. We were out picking rocks. And he sits down and he says, Mom, I can't see. And it was like, that's not right. The past winter, he'd been having health issues. He would have fevers that lasted for a day or two and then go away and nobody else would get sick and we couldn't figure it out. And he is my son who had Perthes disease, which Aaron's son had, right? Has. He had already been through Perthes disease. He was still having ongoing autoimmune type reactions that we couldn't figure out. And so I call my doctor from the tractor. (laughs) Hey, Hamish is not doing okay. He just sat down and says he can't see. And she was like, you need to come in right now. And we see her, she examines him and she's like, okay, you're going to get a call to get a CT scan soon. And yeah, we'll, you know, maybe you need to go to Terrace, which is three hours away for an MRI. So we get home soon after I get a call, you need to come in for a CT scan right now and pack your bags. You're probably going to Children's Hospital in Vancouver, which is 12 to 14 hours away. So they said, we don't know what they, we see from the CT scan, maybe cancer, maybe meningitis. There's something in the back of his skull. Oh. And so as we're driving to the hospital and I'm getting ready, I have a bag and I have Hamish and I could be gone for six months, right? If my child has cancer, I'm not leaving his side, Right. And so I'm texting my virtual assistant, can you manage this while I'm gone? I didn't have a laptop. I only had a desktop and my phone. And so like, what am I going to do? Right. We're going, there's like, we have to go right now. So she managed the back end stuff of it. And I managed it from my phone, um, in children's hospital for five days before we went home. And 
I had said to Marius, if we get 200 signups, you could work part-time. If we get 400 signups, you could quit your job. And we got 300. So it was like, what do we do with that? But while we sat in the hospital, it had already been maybe two days of signups. I can't quite remember there. But there had been a significant amount of signups in the first two days. That even just that gave us the breathing room that Marius texted his boss and said, I can't come to work until Hamish is back. And that just is what it is. He was like, I'm not leaving my children with someone else yeah. when they are in a point where their their mother and their brother is away. They're going to be very emotionally needy. They need to be with me. And that gave us a breathing room. And then we debated, does 300 mean we can make it? And we decided that we had no desire for our children to have two working parents. And Marius quit his job. We had a little bit of savings and we had a feeling it would grow. And grow it has. (laughs) Yeah. So to start, we took a pay cut. We were making significantly less than what Marius had been making. But there wasn't really much of a transition period where like we were both making money. Because we opened the membership and then he quit his job six, seven weeks later. There wasn't like we were used to this high income for a while. We pretty quickly, it was like, and so that was really interesting to, you know, experience timing. Yeah. Yeah. So before we unpack that, so Hamish, what was the diagnosis? Was everything okay? (laughs) When we get there and we see a neurologist, they were like, you know what? Whoever read this CT scan and told you that they overreacted. He just has a thick skull. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was causing the eyesight, though? The He was getting debilitating migraines. Oh, Lord. Oh. And that's what he had been getting all winter. I called my doctor the next day, and she was like, this is hard for you to be there, but if you can swing it to stay there and push for every specialist possible, she was like, I have Hamish referred to all these people, and it would take you years to get to see all these people. She's like, you could see them all right now. If you can manage staying there longer, Mm -hmm. please do. And he'll get to see all these people. So basically he saw lots of people who all ruled out that there's nothing like wrong with him. Okay. Okay. So there was nothing life-threatening, but still he was obviously not okay. So we went home and we started a grain-free diet. Grain-free, refined sugar-free, pasteurized dairy-free, like we only ate meat, fruit, raw dairy from our animals. We did buy some different like grain-free treats, especially like you're going to a birthday party. That was just the worst. Hamish was eight. I would hold him while he cried because he couldn't eat the cake. And I did this with him. I didn't eat any of that stuff. And you know, I'd be like, here's some dried mango, right? And your kid's just sobbing because they they want the cake, right? We did a few months grain-free and then we did quite a while of gluten-free. And that has made a huge difference. And Hamish still can only eat a limited amount of processed food or gluten. Okay. So the membership. So outside looking in, that would appear to be an overnight success. But we all know that doesn't happen. An overnight success typically takes around 10 years. (laughs) Do you not agree? I literally started my blog in 2010 and I launched my membership in 2020. 
Yes. So there, there you we go. go. Okay. There you go. 10 years before you were like, okay, we're going to start this membership because that's a total switch in mindset from what you were providing all this value for free and then monetizing what was going through your mind. Like, obviously you were nervous, you were scared, but what got you to that point? My husband's job was becoming more and more stressful and he was not feeling respected by his employer in a lot of ways. A lot of ways his employer was really great, but like maybe two weeks before I launched the membership, I remember I was having a bath and Marius gets home from work and he is just like raging mad. Not at anybody, just like you can just feel it coming out of his pores, right? He was going on a two-day fishing trip with friends and he had asked his boss, can I have an extra day off so we can go, so I can join them for the third day. And the boss said no, and then started ranting about unreliable workers. And Marius worked 200 hours a month for this guy. He came home just feeling so like his, I don't know if violated would be the right word, but like he just felt so insulted. Yeah. And he was like ready to quit his job right then. I was like, please. <laughs> Because it was good money working for this guy too, right? That's the hard thing, working in construction. And I also just felt like it was getting more and more stressful. He had like this vein in his forehead that would throb. And that was like my motivation. Because he didn't have that before. He didn't have that before. And I remember him being like, I should not even go on this fishing trip. I should be working on stuff around here. And I was like, no, we need you to go on this fishing trip. Yeah. You need to <laughs> unplug for a couple of days. The being of who you are. Yeah. That vein in your forehead <laughs> is speaking to me. <laughs> That's been over three years now that he's been home and he definitely embraces his own schedule. You do not try to fence him in because he was like, I was fenced in for a lot of years working someone else's schedule. He was like, why does it matter if I don't get up till eight? While you guys are chilling in the evening, I'm still working on stuff. We just work different hours, right? I think early birds are glorified. <laughs> right? It's true, though. Getting up early yeah. is glorified. Sleeping in yeah. is considered lazy. I have a good friend who doesn't get out of bed till 10 in the morning, but at midnight, she's baking muffins for breakfast. Who cares <laughs> what hours she's working? If she's getting what she needs done for her family... Who cares that she'll milk the cow at one in the morning? Totally. You got to do <laughs> oh, what, what works. Yeah. What works. Yeah. I love it. I okay, love it. So tell us like, about the membership. Who are your members? What all do you offer? And what does that look like for you on a day-to-day -day basis? Because with the membership, you're in constant content creation, right? So yeah. you can't get away from that. My members are people who like to do things with their hands. They like to learn new things. They like to try new things. They're not fenced in by where they live. I have people in apartments in the city and I have people on a thousand acres in the country and that's really neat. And everybody brings something else to the table. And there's people who are old hats at doing these things. And they're like, you know what? We're here for the community and we're here for the little shortcut tips. They're like the odd little thing that just changes how you do something. And then there's people that are brand new beginners and actually maybe we'll never do it. And they just like learning more about it. They're just there to be consumers, which is fine too. It, it's what they're watching. They're like, we just set up your show and watch it when we're having breakfast or something, we'll watch it. And I'm like, so it's definitely a very different. And every month we focus on some sort of homemade thing. 
or some skill. So it can, we have done things like photography and we've done cheese making, fermenting, sewing. It's very dynamic. There's a lot of different things. You don't have to be a meat eater or have your own cow for it to still resonate with you. Okay. Yeah. For it to be relevant. Yeah. And so do you create all the content or do you also have like guests coming in to teach on these subjects? So I do a balance of mostly me doing it, but as well guests. So I'll schedule guests ahead for like busier times a year for us um, to give me a bit of breathing room. Right now we have uh, a gal from Nova Scotia doing a goat education takeover. When someone does a takeover, they provide resources, either written or video. It could be recipes, how-tos, informational inspirational, that sort of thing that that goes on the membership site, which has now over three years of archives, which is super fun. Yeah. They also then do two Instagram takeover days where they post on my Instagram for two days. They post primarily to insiders, but then they also post a bit to public and they're allowed to do like a low key self-promotion of themselves too. It is a paid thing for them to do a takeover. If I'm being paid for this membership, why am I not paying my takeover people who are giving me a break? So I pay them well. And, but they also do get to self-promote themselves a little bit. So like the gal now, she actually has her monthly soap and lotion. She makes goat's milk soap and lotion on Friday. So I was like, make sure you mention that. Make sure you tell people that. And then they also hop on a Zoom call with my VIP members. Okay. Get a little insider info kind of thing. Yeah. So just, it's usually like a Q and a kind of thing. So they just get to live Q and a with the person who did the takeover. Okay. And so how far in advance are you planning content? Cause it changes monthly, like you said. So are you three months out, six months out a year? Right now, I'm not very far planned out. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I am very far planned out. But the I have a virtual assistant named Helen, who is my lifesaver. She has been with me for three years now. Okay. okay. And Helen keeps, she knows the SEO best practices and she keeps my ducks in order. After we had a bad experience where we were like hounding this person to have the content to us. And it was like already the month when we needed it and they didn't have it to us. We set up a contract that they sign that says they have to have it to us. If it's December 1st is the first day of the takeover, they have to have it to us October 31st. And they have to acknowledge and sign that. And they will be docked pay if it is late unless otherwise agreed upon with me. Okay. Yeah. And so they have, and Helen has a whole checklist that she recommends they print off. That's just like bite by bite. What is expected of you? Okay. You've made a plan with Kate. You've signed the contract. You have submitted your content, but what day are you submitting it by? And it requires them to actually write out the date too. Like twice they have to have this date. And then after I have approved their content, they are paid 50% and they need to invoice me because there has to be a paper trail. Yeah, that's the thing. Often they'll forget to invoice me and I'll have to remind them like, Hey, did I miss that? Did you send that? And sometimes I did just miss it. (laughs) And then after they have done the Instagram takeover and the zoom call, then they get their final payment. 
Okay. 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 So she just, it's probably like 12 things on a list. And if there's photos, they need to be sent separately, but make sure in your PDF writing, you write where the photos go. So Helen has just made it so systemized, approachable, so systemized that like, even when it's my month where I'm doing something, she'll be like, Hey, it's November 15th. (laughs) What do you have for me for January? And I'm like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Right now it's a goat takeover. I did a kitchen basics course last month. And I was actually not planning to release it till December and then had it done early. So that's actually December. The insiders already got it all for free, but we're like, hey, that's actually your December membership thing. January is going to be a coloring book, a venison for dinner coloring book for the insiders. February is a takeover all about maple sugaring. And this one, actually, I reached out to someone who did a takeover for us a year ago. I reached out to her when she was posting about sugaring. I said, can you do a takeover for us next year before sugaring, but get all your content done now? And she's a very organized person. So she did all, made sure she had lots of photos and videos so that this year, um, first thing in February, that'll be released so people can learn how to do their own maple sugaring at home. Okay. So cool. Okay. Yeah. And then my, March is sourdough. So it is planned out but like sometimes we'll have like at least six months planned so right now it's just a little loosey-goosey which it's on my list actually plan out 2024 insiders because this is not good for my brain so what would you say to somebody listening who's thinking my gosh I know some things I know some things about some stuff that I'm really passionate about would you advise them to go the route of a membership and why what kind of continuity what kind of financial stability has that brought knowing you got that monthly or what does someone need yeah. before they consider that and I know yeah. you're going to mention community because that's yeah. a huge portion I actually had under 10,000 followers when Marius quit his job oh seriously okay it has been our full-time income since I was under 10,000 followers and probably maybe 5,000 on YouTube wow so okay what has been the growth yeah and how, how long because what are you at right now on Instagram 110 120 something like that okay how long did it did you go from 10 to what you are now uh i think 10 was shortly after rowan's first birthday rowan's four and a half three and a half years it does start snowballing but then a lot of people say once you hit around a hundred thousand you really stall for a while at what point does it snowball <laughs> this is fascinating <laughs> yeah <laughs> well 1000 was 2016 Okay. 10,000 was 2020. Okay. 100,000 was January or December this last year. Okay. Okay. So that's three years to increase by 100,000 followers. But again, I started this 11 years ago on Instagram. Okay. Can we talk about Instagram? How, what do you attribute that growth to? Cause I know there's a ton of entrepreneurs listening to this who are like, Oh my God, cause that's incredible growth. What do you attribute that to? Partly being very authentic. People actually really like that. I'm not political. Some people are like all influencers should be sharing about what's happening in the middle East right now. This is everybody should be doing it. My experience is when there was a big political thing happening a few years ago and I shared something about it and multiple people were like, actually, we really like that. We know that we're going to come and see nothing political. We want to just come and see farm animals and food and not worry about politics. 
let get me out of the politics for a while. I say share things people want to share. So share things that people are going to try and tag you, or they're going to be like, that's neat, and reshare it. And it doesn't need to be like big life-changing things. People are love little things, little ways that you make something more streamlined or how you make it fancy, how you make it special, right? They, people love to reshare things that they think are interesting. Do you do all of your own social media or do you have help with that? I watch your stories all the time. So I know it's you doing your stories, but the other content, do you have help? I do. So I have someone who does a lot of graphics for Instagram. She does all my graphics. She's taking what I've already done. So she goes to the blog and gets interesting things and makes them into graphics. Or she goes to my Amazon list and she makes a little, you know, and when you're baking this, you better grab this and this. Here's my favorite mixer. All those things are things she's doing. And she's getting really good. Like she was just doing some promo slides for something and they would normally be something that I would do. But I was like, hey, could you look at the last promo slides I did? And then look at the landing page for this course. And could you try making the slides? And she did a great job. She did amazing. She always just texted me them and then I give my tweaks or whatever. And so she's taking things I already did and making it into social media friendly. She does schedule some Facebook posts. She structures my newsletter because my newsletter goes publicly. But what she does is she grabs something. So on Instagram, I use a close friends feature for my members. And I'll get into why I don't use Instagram memberships in a little bit. So I post to close friends only for members. More in-depth, sneak peeks. Right now we're putting in a wood cook stove and I think the public has only seen like a couple little things. But the insiders like were helping me pick tile and all that sort of stuff. And so then Lindsay took, she always takes one thing I talked about to only insiders and basically writes up a small transcript and makes that the main story of the newsletter. So it is recycling content in a different way because maybe people didn't even see the Instagram stories or they aren't insiders and she either grabs screenshots from stories or she's like, hey, I didn't grab a photo of that. Can you send that to me or whatever? So she takes things that I'm sharing exclusively and makes them into a newsletter exclusive. So it's still my creativity, but she's doing the technical work on it. Totally. Uh That's the key to time freedom. It's repurposing your content and then leveraging it amongst different platforms. Otherwise you'd be create, that's all you would be doing is creating new. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, and if I recall, you're only spending two days a week in the office. I'm three afternoons a week right now. Three afternoons. Okay. 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 So I also have a gal who has been an online friend of mine forever and she helps me with Instagram messages. So what she does there is that there is a list as long as my arm that's frequently asked questions that I get. Babies sensitive with formula because I've experienced that and people know that. So like, they're like, hey, what's our next steps? What should we figure out? Milk cow questions, sourdough questions. And she answers all the just frequently asked questions or she'll help troubleshoot someone on their sourdough starter or like a cheese issue because she does all these things herself too. A lot of the questions on Instagram too, I actually answered in stories and people just missed it or weren't paying attention or something, 
or maybe it didn't load for them. So she just makes sure she's up to date on stories and in the morning goes through and answers them. And most of them, there's only a few a day that are actually not just frequently asked questions or already answered in stories. So then she just marks them as unread and I handle those. Um, there's lots of people that I have regular conversations with on Instagram and I have them all in a different folder. So she doesn't even check those. Um, so anybody who I have like business relationships with, um, family members, friends, whether in real life friends or online friends, they're all in a different folder and I deal with all those. Okay. 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 Because those are fun. Those are texting with friends kind of thing. Yeah, totally. So she's just answering all the frequently asked questions because most platforms would leave, most brands would just leave those unanswered right? Unless it's like around a big sale that they want to make sure they're hitting everybody on. They're just going to leave those unanswered. And I really value those connections. And I value that people are coming to me for that. I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. So I do share on Instagram regularly that I have help, but you're still getting my advice. She's just reiterating it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Through a vessel. I just want to say, I really appreciate how open you are to sharing that you're not doing this all alone, because I think a lot of times, especially on social media, we just see and assume that everything is running perfectly on someone who we are looking up to in their business growth and thinking it's just them. And a lot of times people don't want to share that they're getting help. And I don't know why we talk about that too. We have a a whole team behind the magazine and all that. So I just want to say, I appreciate that you are sharing that part. Okay. Back to your personal life. Can you describe like what a day in the life looks like for you? And I know not every day would look the same, but also how are you, how do you manage everything? Cause with five kids, like I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> so this week I have no childcare and that makes things different. Our childcare is actually super beautiful. My mother-in-law needed a pension top up and we needed help. So she comes Right now it's three afternoons a week. She comes and she hangs out with the kids and she does little things. She keep, she does 75% of our laundry. Magic. <laughs> I can't imagine with that. Yeah. She loves doing laundry. But she'll also do things like sweep the floor, wash the eggs. She loves to play games with the kids, card games, puzzles, crafts. She loves crafting and I do not. So that's great for my girls. They do cross stitch and all sorts of things with her. So she's away for a funeral this week. Her older brother died. So she's away for 10 days. But today is a school day. So we are, we don't get up early in winter. We are very big believers in hibernation. We get up between seven and eight right now. And we could have already been awake with just chatting in bed, but like we, or the kids might be downstairs already, but by about 7.30, I'm kicking everybody out of bed who isn't out of bed. And we head out to do animal chores right away. And we come in and have breakfast. You Usually breakfast we try to start before we head out. I made a pot of oatmeal this morning before we went out. So Marius was inside with the little kids. I was outside with the big kids. And we had breakfast. And then by about 9, there was maybe one kid left doing some kitchen chores. One kid was practicing math not practicing piano. One kid was doing his math lessons and we would do school till about 11 or 12. And this is a change this fall when we started school. I now don't work until noon instead of working at nine, two days a week so that I'm available in the mornings with homeschool. Because especially right now, Marius is trying to get a lot of other projects done. 
So he does some school. I do some school. We're tag teaming right now. Quite often, he's the only one doing school. Mm -hmm. So then we do lunch. And lunch is usually like leftovers or popcorn and smoothie or nachos, something simple. And then after cleanup right now, they're doing a lot of stuff getting ready for when their trapping licenses come in. So that's, they, I think they might even be outside right now. Um, or they'll have some chores to do. Usually on a school day, they have chores to do in the afternoon. School work days, which are Wednesday to Friday, they are not allowed to even ask to see friends or do anything else. We are at capacity on school work days. Don't ask me for anything else. Okay. <laughs> so they are only allowed to ask to see friends Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. Because they have friends that they can just walk and see. So it's And they're also homeschooled. So it's we have set some boundaries. So not school day. So we school Wednesday to Saturday. I work Wednesday to Friday. Sunday, we host home church. Similar morning rhythm. But instead, by 10 a.m., we have people here. And then take it easy in the afternoon. Monday, we're at piano lessons in the morning. Although it got switched today. This week's wild. Anyhow. No matter the day, three or four o'clock rolls around and we're doing a tidy up inside. Let's pick up. Do we need to vacuum? Let's just make sure jackets are off the floor, boots are where they go. We do a little tidy up. The big kids go do their animal chores. Um, and then we do dinner and clean up. And then right now, uh, Marius and our oldest, Mac, have some evening animal chores that they go out after the little kids are in bed and go do some chores outside. Holy. It's just Those a whole rhythm. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. There's schedules written on, we call it a daily flow. There's a Sunday to Tuesday and a Wednesday to Saturday daily flow. Okay. 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 But you'd have to, yeah. otherwise it would be chaos. chaotic. Yeah. And so the kids are age two to Thir 14. 14. Okay. okay. So there's a lot of learning stages in there. There's a lot of intellectually different stages in Physical. there. Yeah. yeah. And capacity. And like, it's, I love hearing about the chores. And so do they complain or do they just like, no, this is my job. I'm going out to do it. Do you have to nag them? It depends on the kid. Okay. Sure. There's the kid who yesterday morning, 930, wasn't a school day. He was like, I'm done all my chores. Can I go see friends? And Marius is like, hold up. How are you done by 930 in the morning? Because he just did it. He just did them all. He didn't stop. He just got up and did them. Whereas then there's the kid who it's like, if you're done your chores by two, you could go see friends. And it's like 130 <laughs> and he's trying to do his chores. And I'm like, come on, man. You're dragging this. Like there's different personalities there. They all have things they like doing more than others. Right now, our oldest is actually doing a lion's share of some animal chores. So he's actually getting paid to do them because I just didn't have capacity right now. And I was like, can you take over some of my chores and you will get paid for it. So he always loves earning money. So that was a win for all of us. And that took some pressure off of me. Taking a top down view, what do you see are some of the benefits for your kids, like the whole homeschool, the lifestyle off the land and but yet they still have social interaction and piano lessons and everything if you could just be a fly on the wall and say yeah my kids this is what it's doing for them Fostering. What, yeah, yeah what would that be the independence for sure and the love of learning they love to learn things their piano teacher 
Actually, their piano lessons are a really neat arrangement. They go over for a morning at a neighbor's house. I drop them off because it's their neighbors, but they're like five kilometers away, right? Okay. <laughs> so is it like that in rural Alberta? Like you're neighbors as long as you're within like 10 kilometers of us. Totally. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> yeah. Right. So our community is called Quick. So if you're in Quick, you're a neighbor, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this older neighbor, he's a retired teacher and so is his wife. They don't need money. They need some help. So the kids wanted to do piano lessons. He didn't teach piano lessons, but he's an amazing piano player. Like he tours four or five different churches volunteering, playing piano for them. So they go over for the morning and whoever's not having a lesson is helping with chores. So they'll bring in firewood. They'll take the dog for a run. They'll clean out the chicken coop. Like, so they each have a 20 minute lesson and then they each spend 40 minutes helping with some chores. And then afterwards they feed them a fun snack and bring them home. Okay. Fantastic. It's really lovely. They really enjoy doing it. And it's, it's a big little help for them to have, like my boys are big strapping boys. They can do a lot of stuff. They run machinery for them and all sorts of things. Okay. I'm like, okay. They always ask permission. Can we teach them to use this? And we're like, yep, sure. You're wearing what you need to wear. Yeah. Keep the limbs attached and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah they're very calm, safe people. So it's like, yep, yeah, that's great. And you know what? Having someone else teach your kids high stress things is so underrated. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want, I don't need someone to learn, teach my kid to read. You taught my kid to use a rototiller. That is way, that's more stressful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> Doing dangerous things. Safely. <laughs> yeah. So this morning I said something about the boys loving to learn about this or that. And he was like, look at their parents. Their parents love to learn, love to teach. You make your living learning and teaching. And that's just the environment in our house is one of people wanting to learn. I think we got off topic from how the kids feel about chores. So I think that's where we were at. No, that's about cool. what your kids are gaining or fostering yeah. from this lifestyle. And yeah. what you've just described is a growth mindset. There's totally. opportunities for learning in every situation. I think. Totally. Yeah. I'm reflecting as we're going along here, like this kind of lifestyle and being able to monetize it because you're not raising like a whole bunch of cows to sell the meat and all those different things. 30 years ago, Somebody would have had to have been working off the farm to support the family and all the rest of it. So what do you think, is this a trend that this movement, this back to basics, and we've talked about it ourselves too, that we know that with the pandemic, people had like a wake up call, like, oh my gosh, I I have to find local eggs and food scarcity. There was a mindset shift. Yeah. 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 But you've been doing this for years. So that's just really interesting yeah Yeah. and so where do you see it going where do you see this whole lifestyle sustainable rural lifestyle going I think a lot of people are realizing that they're being fooled on a lot of things to do with food and they want to know more about it and they want some more control they want control over the costs they want control over the quality I think a lot Quite often it's cost that gets people going on things, but then maybe they learn that they really love the process, right? And that is really fulfilling to them. And then it no longer becomes about the cost, but about 
it being really fulfilling and their family enjoying it. And like we used to say that my kids don't get privileges like holidays, but they get the privilege of fresh bread on a weekday morning, right? They got bacon for breakfast and a mom who had it waiting for them. Those are privileges that can't be bought. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Also with what comes with what you're doing, and I know, I think you mentioned the word influencer a little bit ago, but so you are considered an influencer. What, how does that play out in your, with your business, like brand partnerships, because that's part of the monetizing game. And that's part Mm -hmm. of the whole package of what venison for dinners is bringing to the world. Can you speak to that? How does that work? Are there boundaries or guidelines or what? Yeah. So with brand partnerships, they're almost always going to try with like a, Hey, can we send you $50 in product? And can you do these two YouTube videos as well as an Instagram post and a blog post about it? And you're like, no. Like I, sometimes I've started getting sassy, like replying back being like, actually, that's a really big ask for $50 in product. Like that's a, this is a bird feeder. Thank you, friend. I cannot do all that for you. And some times people just will just reiterate their first. And some people are all like, I totally respect that. This is the only budget we have right now. Um, I'll reach out to you again in the future. Um, and then there's companies who really value the influencer marketing. And I'm not against products for services. I just did that recently with a dehydrator. I did have to stay firm. They wanted to do a smaller dehydrator. I said, the largest one or not, I'm sorry. This is how we do things. I don't do small things. Um, A family our size. And they're like, well, there's lots of, you know, we have families of 10. I'm like, do they put up most of their food? They don't. And then on the contract, they tried to get me with a few different things. And I was like, I'm a contract reader though. So I looked at it and I was like, No, I cannot do a 15-minute feature in a video. That's unrealistic and boring. And also, you'd have to pay me premium for me to do a 15-minute sponsored video, right? If I do 15-minute sponsored videos every week where I'm featuring a product for 15 minutes, my business would totally lose what it is. You wouldn't take me seriously. You'd be like, it's just another product recommendation sponsored thing, right? Like, my recommendation means something because I'll only recommend what we like and what you're using or whatever. Yeah. Yes. What we're using. I want to give honest reviews on it and that means something. So I had something really lovely. This company I worked with over a year ago, I reached out last spring being like, Hey, do you have anything, any promotions coming up this and that? And they never got back to me. And then They emailed me like a couple weeks ago, like, hey, we're doing a Thanksgiving thing. This is what we're wanting to promote. What do you have in mind? And I I like quoted them a couple different ideas I had as well as prices. And they chose the higher paying package. And we're like, we're so excited. Can't wait to see what you do. Like total creative freedom, which a lot of companies want you to send everything to them first, which is another step, which takes more time, which I understand, but also it takes more time to have to do that. Wow. So that's really cool. And 
how would you recommend for somebody else who's wanting to channel themselves in that direction? What must they do? Is it when companies are looking for partnerships with you, are they looking at your Instagram following and looking at that number or engagement? engagement? Like how are they checking you out to know that they want to do something with you? So I have a media kit, which is a PDF that gives my stats on different things as well as analytics from previous promotions. And I'll say too, this company's goal was they wanted me to highlight this and that, and here is what I did for them. And so things like that. I find it's equal parts me reaching out to companies and companies reaching out to me. I'm definitely not at a point where I have lots of lovely offers in my inbox all the time. I still get a lot of really stupid ones. I don't think I'll ever stop getting stupid ones. But I could probably do more and be happy doing more of them with the right company. Okay. All right. All right. And so what is your criteria for what is the right company? How do you assess that? Would I buy it myself or do I already buy it? Okay. So that's simple. Yeah. 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 Can you talk a little bit about, because in your feature article, like there was the mention of creativity versus being in that constant creation for your membership how do you balance the two because you're a creative person and how do you make sure that you're not the creativity isn't getting sucked out of you out of (laughs) obligation or expectation for creating content versus just for your soul for feeling good and and that fulfilling side of it this year this past full calendar year I had to just really pull back on paid offerings because I found that it was burning me out and I felt like it was going to burn out my audience too as well as I wasn't going to have what I needed for my members who were the more important one. So I really pulled back and I worked on a lot of behind the scenes stuff that honestly, you know, is frustrating in its own way because you're doing technical things and upgrading systems and making new systems and making funnels for things. So a lot of things that was really behind the scenes or freebies or making the blog nicer, things that don't show in your income right now. So the ROI is not very visible to start. So Marius and I were talking about that today because we were talking about our company Christmas party, which is we do a game night with my (laughs) in-laws because all our employees don't live here. (laughs) So it's our company Christmas party and we buy fun snacks and a nice bottle of alcohol and that's our company Christmas party. So we were talking about that and he was like, I don't know what I want to do for that. Just make sure you treat the people who work for us well. He's And he said, how did we do this year? Because he doesn't pay attention to the financials, like business or personal. Marius is not a financials person. He stepped out of that a long time ago. Not his wheelhouse. And I said, we didn't do as good as last year. We still did very well, but not as good as last year. And he said, why not last year? Why not? Like, why did, why was last year double this year? And I said, because I spent a lot of time on things like making a funnel for the cheese course so that there would be evergreen income. And I updated the blog and I put a lot of time and effort into learning how to blog better. And I spent time doing courses and workshops. And in September, I saw a double in my ad income on the blog. And I was like, yes, like I've worked the whole year towards that. And it doubled after being like at the same point for a year and a half like basically the same. And it was like, come on, man, you got to give me a bit more here. And I just learned to do things differently and it doubled and it stayed double for a couple months now. And I'm like, yes. So like that is the thing about blogging is that when you're blogging for keyword research and things, 
So like I did a bunch of pumpkin recipes this fall. Next fall, people are going to be looking for pumpkin recipes again. And those things are all going to be popular again. Whereas like YouTube, you stop posting and it's like your income just tanks. So I went to one YouTube video a week instead of two and two blog posts instead of one because that was where I was going to see the better growth. I tried on YouTube. YouTube is like so stale for me right now. It's just like I growing YouTube is so hard for me. But I've had success on the blog. So I just spent a lot of time doing things. I also took a lot of time off this summer for us to do fishing and things like that because I wanted to. And I could figure it out to do it. And then next year, I'm getting back into a bunch of course building and all sorts of things. But I just like mentally needed to take a step back. I decided to do a bunch of things. And you know, it means our income is less this year. But it's going to pay off in the future. Because I had systems in place that I could step back while those things kept rolling so that I could work on other things. I feel it's always like some sort of like, okay, and now this is rolling and this is producing income to sustain itself and more because blogs aren't free. YouTubing isn't free. Okay. So now we can invest some money into here and get this going. Okay. Now that's doing better. Now we can go and work over here and all the digital platforms cost a lot. You're speaking our language with our magazine, like the systems and the forms and it, it is all systemized and it's taken us literally three years to get to where we are that it, it it's running like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, but it's so interesting that you are cognizant of the long play, the long game. And I just imagine when you're saying all these plates in the air, this one's spinning, I'll go over here and get this one going and I'll come back over here. And it just, like you're building a business really intelligently too and laying a beautiful foundation into the future. And I think people listening to this, because sometimes people think like, so you've been at it 10 years, 11 years with your blog. Sometimes we talk with gals who are frustrated that a year or two in, like more stuff isn't happening, but it does take time. And I appreciate hearing that. And I'm super fortunate, like with Marius being home full time, with a not having childcare this week, I still get to work. I'm the primary person with our company. It's him who's had to table a bunch of things. The last day his mom was here, she was like, oh, are you going to get behind on work? Are you going to be okay? And I'm like, no, I'll be fine. It'll be Marius who'll be behind on all his things. Because he's just very good at making sure that things keep rolling so that I still have work time. Because that is a priority, right? Obviously, we need to work to live. And he takes it seriously it took his family a while to t take it seriously. They would always ask him to do things because he was home and he was like, I'm not actually available. I'm schooling the kids and taking care of the kids. So unless you want me to come work on your roof with four kids, I actually can't come. Yeah. 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 But what a great tribute of the way your partnership as husband and wife and business partners it's is working. Because I don't hear these traditional roles you do this he does that you're a modern day team yeah business partnership that we really haven't seen this kind of thing in the world before so it that's fascinating in fact that you're doing a lot of things that are traditional but using technology and all the things at your disposal it's so modern and that's that's really fascinating to peek behind the curtain to see that it's really cool it's been really great. It's been really neat for our family, for them to have Marius for the last three years after him being gone so much. 
that's really lovely. Like our oldest was 11 then. It was just for his 11th birthday. Right getting into his teen years and they just have their dad so available and doing things and they're starting a track line together. Um, recently we've seen with different people we know of them having like huge issues with their kids that are our oldest age. And Marius is like, I'm so determined to just invest so much time and keep them busy on doing things they love to do. Like they love to do that. Okay. We're lighting a fire under them. They want to do that. Let, we're helping them make that happen because we want them to keep creative, productive energies going. Yeah. 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 And that's part of the legacy that what you're doing now will develop in your kids. So yeah. that's a really cool yeah. thing too. I've got two more questions, then we'll let you go. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> um, we, we got you here. Okay. We're going to ask. <laughs> uh, so mom and I talk about this all the time that like we've been looking, working together for over 23 years. There, there's not one thing besides our business together that has grown us as women to have the skills and the mindset and the fortitude to create what we're creating now. How has entrepreneurship, AKA your business grown you as a woman? It's made me be consistent it's forced consistency with me that I have not had before. And that has been really good for me. It has forced me to follow through on things in a way that I was not good at before. And it sounds that's like good. that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's always a good thing. Amazing. Yeah. I think it's changed a lot of my money mindsets too. Like I've always been the one that managed our money. Marius was never into that. Even if he was working full time. I was still the one that managed the money. But when you work in something like a trade, you're packing buckets of water, which the water is your income. As much as you're packing water, you're earning. You stop packing water, you stop earning. If in your side time, you can start building a pipeline, you pack your buckets of water for the day, and then you work on a pipeline. And then one day your pipeline from the lake to your house is complete, and you just turn on that pipeline and the water keeps on flowing and you still have to maintain the pipeline. You still need to improve the pipeline, but the pipeline is there. And experiencing that has been really wild to us. It has allowed us to be so much more generous in ways that we could never before with time and money. And I'm really thankful for that. I love that analogy. There's also, there's statistics that women entrepreneurs put more into their communities than men or women business owners versus men business owners. Women put more into their community, which I think that's a neat statistic. It, it speaks to women, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's very wise, Kate. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see venison for dinner going? What is your hope for the future? I think just keep on trucking where we're at. My next is a sourdough course that I'm going to do and just keep in being inspired and puttering away at things. Um, there's definitely always imposter syndrome, but we're like three years into this now. So like surely we sum up what have it figured out. And if the bottom ever fell out of the internet and all that, Marius still has a trade that he can always go back to. So I think that has also given us a lot of freedom 
It's not like he didn't have a good job. He did have a good job. We chose a different way, but there's always that. He could always go back to construction. Yeah. Well, wow. I think that's a beautiful conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> I think that casts it. With yeah. You. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just appreciate your you're just so open and I, and in, in your life and your business. And I know our community of listeners will just feel you've just got an innovation and a conviction and just a straightforwardness that's refreshing. And just, I appreciate you showing up that way here. And I think you're showing what's possible. Yeah, totally. Uh, and that, I just, I, I think that message is going to go deep. We get lots of comments after different guests, but I'm already imagining what's going to come back with regards to this. So what are all the ways that people can be in touch with you and what you're doing? And find out about your membership. Yeah. I'm Venison for Dinner everywhere. Venisonfordinner.com, Venison for Dinner on YouTube, Venison for Dinner on Instagram, Venison for Dinner on Facebook. Okay, good branding. There is Pinterest. It's a little neglected, but there is a venison for dinner Pinterest too. Okay. <laughs> I think some things get posted there. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> you did it. You just finished another episode of the Trailblazer podcast. We love bringing you real life stories and know-how from rural women. Head over to our website, www.trailblazerco.com for today's show notes with all the links and special offers from today's sponsors. Want to help us grow? Tag us and screenshot this episode or share your takeaways in the comments over on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to see you over there. So this is Jan and Erin signing off. See See you you next time, Trailblazers. Trailblazers.